All right, glad you're with us. The Sean Hannity Show, right down our toll-free telephone number. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Are you following the case? Linda, I'm looking at you. Are you following this case of this guy, Jeffrey Epstein, the Lolita Express? Um, This is just another great, incredible case in point of this phony, selective, moral outrage of liberal Democrats. Because this guy has been friends with Bill Clinton. How you doing? Good. Oh, I'm back out. Here we go. You know, we have we we went back and we looked, and what do we find? You know, the Daily Mail had chronicled a story about Orgy Island and the Lolita Express, where an accuser says that Epstein assigned two girls to take care of Bill Clinton. Now remember, this guy is a convicted pedophile. Got a sweet deal. The local prosecutor, apparently down in West Palm Beach, wanted nothing to do with it because he's a Democratic donor. And he ends up getting a, a deal where for a year he's in jail, but six days a week he's out. He's able to go to the office and leave the jail. It's not going to jail. Anyway, so over the weekend, they they raid his place and apparently find a stash in his safe somewhere in a locked safe some $77 million Upper East Side mansion where authorities find all this kiddie porn. By the way, I mean, there's nothing lower than violating children in my in my world. You know, even in prison. I mean, prisoners, you're in there for this type of thing, and you are persona non grata. You are enemy number one. There's, there's just a code. Leave kids alone. And... But these these sick psycho pedophiles, they exist. That's why that deal, whatever deal was made, starting locally with the Palm Beach prosecutor, you know, became a sweetheart deal for this guy. But anyway, look, I'm just I am reporting what I am reading, but that they found all this kiddie porn and federal agents because on they charged this guy with, you know, child sex trafficking in the Southern District of New York. And look, they have a reputation for being the toughest, the hardest, the best prosecutors in the country. That's where people like Rudy Giuliani, Andy McCarthy came out of. Anyway, federal agents, New York uh, Police Department officials, they literally cracked into the safe after they broke through these heavy oak doors of his mansion and they executed a search warrant on late Saturday and early Sunday, according to court papers filed by uh, in the in the sex trafficking indictment, and the safe was found in plain sight in the room of the third floor of this seven-story townhouse, according to law enforcement and people familiar. And anyway, they found photos stashed inside, along with compact discs, handwritten labels, including young, name, name, miss, name, nudes, one, girl, pics, nude, and prosecutors said the vast trove of lewd photographs were part of, quote, devastating evidence against Epstein, who's, you know, was really close friends, apparently, with Bill Clinton. Now, he did have, at some point, I guess, high political connections, some connection to Donald Trump. Now, in the 2016 campaign, we have in the past, we've explored this case and explored this everything that has happened with this guy. And we've gone over this very, very long, deep relationship that Epstein had with Bill Clinton. 
But, but before the 2016 election, nobody in the media cared. They didn't care at all because they didn't want to hurt the Clintons. That's why they didn't care about the exoneration of Hillary. That's why they never told their audiences about what the Espionage Act is. That's why they never made a big deal about Hillary Clinton deleting subpoenaed emails and using bleach bit and hammers to get rid of the evidence. Yeah, real obstruction of justice. They only care about obstruction if they can say it's Donald Trump, but there's no collusion. There's no underlying crime. So we're going to make up obstruction because he publicly stated that this was a witch hunt with Robert Mueller over and over again and that some of these people should be fired. Somehow that's obstruction. There's no underlying crime, four separate investigations. That's how they want to thread the needle and only apply things to Donald Trump. Hillary, you have an underlying crime. You have marked, top secret, uh, special access programming, classified emails on the hard drive in the mom and pop bathroom closet. They didn't care about that. They only cared about it if, it, if it's from Donald Trump. They care about Kavanaugh. And allegations from when he's in high school that every other weekend, you know, Julie Swetnick says that just about every other weekend that they would spike the punch, him and other high school boys, they would drug these girls, they'd line up in the halls and they gang rape them every other weekend. But of course, that then evolved into, well, I never really saw him behind the punch bowl or give somebody the punch or but I saw him in a room and he had a red solo cup and he was once in the hall, but not lined up in the hall. And yet what happened? We had a million I believers, but then you have a Lieutenant governor in Virginia. Nobody, no, I believers in that case, you have two credible interviews by Gail King of women, one claiming a violent rape by the Lieutenant governor in the Commonwealth. And then one claiming a violent sexual assault. Both women had told many people, that he did it at the time. But you don't hear one I believer. Where are the I believers here? Again, selective moral outrage. What the fake news media, well, if they can now connect it to Trump and we don't care about the Clintons anymore because Hillary lost and we only protected Hillary and Bill while they might do some good for us. Well, what they're not telling you is, well, Donald Trump, number one, in the when the case came up in 2008, uh, he went and cooperated with authorities against Epstein. And if Epstein had all of this dirt on Donald Trump, well, why would Donald Trump then take the the strong stand and throw him the hell out of the Mar-a-Lago club? He banned him from Mar-a-Lago. So, you know, for everybody that wants to talk about or connect this to Trump, but they ignored it with Clinton, selective moral outrage. This is all phony. And the Daily Mail piece talks about, you know, well, they actually had one of the women, young girls, saying Epstein assigned two young girls to take care of Bill Clinton. Okay, that was out there, by the way, before the 2016 election. We found that article from March of 2011. Then we have, you know, the New York Post and and Fox News reports. Remember, they labeled it the Lolita Express. And what did they show? It showed that, okay. Contrary to what the president's statement said yesterday, former President Clinton, that is, he took at least 26 trips aboard Epstein's sex jet that was dubbed the Lolita Express. So the fake fraud news media, the phony news media in this country, they're trying to pretend that President Trump was a close ally to Epstein, but it was Bill Clinton who was. 
Trump and Epstein, okay, they're two billionaires. They had mansions in Palm Beach. Okay, their paths cross from time to time. He once said something nice about somebody. Okay, that's not the same thing of being a very good friend of Epstein and flying all over the place with these young girls on the Lolita Express. I'm not sure anybody wants to get to the real bottom of this. Epstein's masseuse revealed inside details to Inside Edition about Bill Clinton's trips abroad that airplane. And what we find from Inside Edition, well, this was after the FBI finally caught up with uh, Epstein in 2015 and Palm Beach police. Epstein victimized as many as 49 underage girls. And a secret sex trafficking indictment against Epstein was unsealed, you know, this past weekend in New York City. But the details that you don't know about this Lolita Express, Epstein's private jet, was apparently a globe-hopping mile-high club with underage girls supplied by Epstein. And he'd bring all his frequent flyers on there, one of which was Bill Clinton, taking at least a dozen trips to various places around the world, surrounded by, yep, all these underage women. And, of course, Inside Editions said, you know, one of the they actually quote a air hostess on board the Lolita Express, which is Epstein's private jet at the center of the scandal. And Epstein used that, you know, for all these young girls. And then apparently, you know, other people were on the plane as well. I don't know what happened. I don't know what evidence they have, but I know that he got a sweetheart deal because the local prosecutor down in Palm Beach had a political bias uh, against it because this guy was a big donor in this case to Democrats. One victim by the name of uh, Virginia Gorfrey, she's that name has been everywhere. You know, she kept the Epstein story alive for more than a decade through lawsuits and interviews. And she's spoken to the media dozens of times, but never as far as I know, American TV. Um, maybe we should get her on. Maybe Katie Hopkins would would know who she is because she's been the one victim of this whole trafficking allegation that's been speaking out for years And almost all of what is publicly known about the scandal comes from her, including that bombshell 2011 interview with the UK Daily Mail, where she says she met Bill Clinton on Epstein's Caribbean retreat. That's the one that's called Orgy Island. And she said, I only met Bill Clinton uh, twice, but Jeffrey had told me that they were good friends. I asked how come, and he laughed. He owes me some favors. Maybe he was joking, but it Constantly surprised me that people with as much to lose as Bill Clinton and Prince Andrew weren't careful. Bill must have known about Jeffrey's girls. There were three desks in the living area in the villa in the island. They were covered with pictures of Jeffrey shaking hands with famous people and photos of naked girls. And so there are other people that have spoken out about this. I don't think this is going to end very well for this guy based on what I'm reading. And, you know, but it's only important now because, well, they can mention Donald Trump's name in the same sentence. I mean, it was a, an article. I, I read this thing this morning. I was 14, and I had braces. One of the victims recalled, this was in the Daily Mail, how, how Epstein perform, forced them to do these sex acts ahead of his bail hearing as prosecutors were fighting to keep him behind bars because he was a flight risk. But the biggest point in all of this is now all of a sudden the media, oh, now they're interested in the story. But they weren't interested when he was just a Democratic donor and friend of Bill Clinton's and all of these trips and all of these plane rides were taking place. 
you know, and then you had a, a pretty biased prosecutor. Now they're trying to go after, okay, well, once he punted, he didn't want to deal with it. Then, of course, they handed off to the feds, and they ended up getting that sweetheart deal, one of which was Alex Acosta, you know, because the Southern District of Florida, they took the case despite the fact that these charges on his private island, you know, were brought across state lines, which made it a federal case. But, you know, who knows what, what really happened and whether they really have the goods on this guy this time. But Clinton is going out of his... Why didn't Bill Clinton distance himself in the 2016 election? Because he didn't have to. Because the media did the job for him to protect his wife, who was the, the favored candidate. It's like every other example that we give you of selective moral outrage. It's not the issue. It's only if they can bludgeon Trump with something. And that's the standard. Doesn't matter if Hillary obstructs. It doesn't matter if Hillary colludes with Russia or pays for a dirty Russian dossier full of lies that its own author can't even stand by. It doesn't matter. It's, it's only the standard only applies to a conservative or a Republican. And it's the same across the board, be it Russian interference, be it obstruction of justice, be it allegations as severe of the Commonwealth of Virginia lieutenant governor. And the list goes on. And it's it's just one more example. They're, they have an agenda. I had a great discussion uh, over vacation with somebody, and I just asked this simple question. Do you think of all the people that voted for Donald Trump in 2016, do you think he's lost a lot of those voters? And I'm like, the, the consensus was, we were, there were a number of us, no, I don't think he lost any. Do you think that the president, we have the best now employment situation, although the media won't report it since 2005 and record low unemployment, African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Asian-Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment. Do you think he might have a good shot at getting some people, you know, the seven million new jobs around that he's created, the seven million fewer people on food stamps? Do you think that some people might be persuaded to keep him in office and give him another four years. Everyone was kind of in full agreement. Yeah, but who knows? I mean, we don't know what the issues are going to be in October of 2020, November of 2020. And then I said, is there any Democrat that you're impressed by that you think has the charisma and the policies that would 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 enable them to compete and defeat President Trump? Consensus was, no, we don't see anybody. And then I said, well, OK, well, there are certain positions now that are universal for these candidates. One is, OK, for whatever reason, I have no idea why it's not even about abortion. But this this adoption of infanticide during birth abortion, after birth abortion, I never thought I'd hear a governor ever say, well, we'll deliver the baby, make the baby comfortable, then we'll let the mother decide. That's not abortion. That's murder. That's infanticide. You know, we now have what the experts call full employment in this country the best employment scenario since 1969 the federal reserve is now saying that there are 7.5 million job openings in america now that means the standard of living is going to increase for every american because they have jobs now they're going to get a better job with better pay and better benefits i'll explain more on the other side all right 25 till the top of the hour so let's just keep this simple for just a second here and, and this was a discussion I had with friends over the July 4th holiday. 
And I'm like, all right, so is with all we've now watched President Trump in action, you know, now in his third year, 2020 is a big election, a big election year. I think it's a tipping point. So you look at all of the candidates. I don't see anyone that has the charisma, the energy, anybody that is overly impressing me. I mean, so they're kind of floundering. I mean, all right, well, now Kamala Harris is up because she beat up Joe Biden in the debate, and Joe Biden didn't know how to handle the the issue of his past positions on, on segregation and against busing and et cetera, et cetera. The weirdest thing about that is that then, because Kamala Harris actually said, well, that was me. I was that girl. And then it was a pretty powerful, well-prepared line. We knew it was prepared because they were tweeting it out seconds after she said it. That means well-rehearsed. She spent time preparing for the debates, and she definitely had a target on Joe Biden. Okay, fine. That's part of the the debate process. But then she backed off her position. And just like Kamala Harris has backed off, well, Medicare for all, and but you can't have any private insurance. Well, then she backed off that almost immediately because there was a groundswell of condemnation about it. And then she flipped back to, no, we're going to have one system. You know, my, my answer to that is, well, how did Obamacare work out and the promises of Obamacare to keep your doctor and keep your plan and everyone's going to pay less money? Millions lost their doctors, millions lost their plans, and everybody paid more. In some cases, 300% more. I mean, everybody paid a lot more. And none of those promises were fulfilled. Then we get it, but it's not attacked. John Roberts so screwed the country with that vote. I mean, and the fact that he had been on the right side of the issue and then because of political considerations decided, well, I don't want the court to look too political. Uh, That's not how you render judgment. It should be based on the rule of law, the Constitution, which is our bedrock for the rule of law in this country. And he had the right interpretation, but went against it for whatever political considerations. It's mind-numbing to me. And Roberts, frankly, is becoming more and more of a disappointment on the court. I'm, I'm beginning to question Kavanaugh and whether or not Kavanaugh, you know, I, I see him on opposite sides of Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch too often now and Sam Alito. And that's getting frustrating. Um I had wanted this woman, Barrett, hopefully the president next time will pick her, who I think is a solid conservative. All right, so if you if you just keep it simple, stupid, and you say, okay, now the president has an economy to run on. I mean, it was funny today. I was, believe it or not, I read liberal publications. I was actually reading the New Republic. They had a piece out. Democrats should attack the Trump economy. And I'm like, all right, that's going to be interesting. How do they plan on doing that? And what's fascinating about it is they actually they they acknowledge all of the president's success. You know, they they claim that the president tried to turn Independence Day into a celebration of himself. That is absolutely wrong in every way. That's not what he did. The president couldn't have been more clear about what that was about. And that was about being a proud American. President said in his Fourth of July speech. You know, together we're part of the greatest story, one of the greatest stories ever told, the story of America. That doesn't sound like it's about him or his hubris, as they say. Um, It is the spirit, he said, daring and defiance, excellence, adventure, courage and confidence, loyalty and love 
that built this country into the most exceptional nation in the history of the world, and our nation is stronger today than it ever was. You know, the presidential candidates come out, you know, Swalwell, this is not who we are as America. We don't thump our chests and put tanks in the streets and fly jets over the mall to prove our strength. Or good old Mayor Pete Buttigieg, I think reducing our nation to tanks and shows of muscle just makes us look like the kind of loudmouth guy at the bar. Kirsten Gillard, it's a waste of money. Well, that same military the president was honoring, well, that's been the military that has protected this great republic for all of these years, and the same military that literally, without which, we wouldn't have been beating back the forces of ISIS in Syria and literally captured every bit, of, recaptured every bit of land they had and defeated them there. And I, that's why I keep saying we need this new modern weaponry that is going to be the next generation of weaponry so that we don't have to send our sons and daughters abroad to fight these wars and knock on doors in downtown Baghdad, you know, facing IEDs and sniper fire and, and kids with bombs tied to them, which happened also. If the weaponry is developed, we should be able to fight wars like a computer game. Not that we're taking away the or or dehumanizing the ugly outcome of war. We're not going to pick wars. We're not going to start wars. But if we have to protect liberty, freedom, our way of life, we're going to win them. And unfortunately, we now politicize them three weeks after we start them. And then after so many people die, they say, never mind. We can't do that anymore. We can't ask American soldiers to go and fight and bleed and die for the cause that they're told is right and just and moral and to protect our freedoms and then say, oh, it's politicized, it's too uncomfortable, we're out of here. I think the president showed also that with the right weaponry, the advancing technology, this new generation of weaponry, we can fight these wars from here. And we've got to be, we have got to be on the cutting edge of weaponry to protect freedom. So that's what the 4th of July thing was about. Anyway, so the, if we're keeping it simple, is Donald Trump going to lose any of the people that voted for him in 2016? Well, June, oh, an unexpected 224,000 jobs. Now, even the New Republic points out, well, the unemployment rate ticked up, but only because people without jobs were looking for them, more of them were looking in the previous month. And then they go on to say, yeah, the stock market continues to shoot upward. And then it goes on, you know, though, you know, about how robust the job numbers are and which didn't stop the Fed from cutting interest rate. Why should the president want to slow down the economy? And then they get to the end of the article after praising everything the president's done. Democrats have made the case that Trump's economic success mostly comes down to a mix of luck and an economy he inherited from Barack Obama. That's a joke. Obama, Biden had eight years. They screwed it up and they screwed it up royally. That's what they did. Anyway, so when you get to the point where you have record low unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Asian-Americans, women in the workplace. Well, now the next question is, if he's not going to lose the people that voted for him in 2016 and they seem just as enthusiastic at these rallies and they were as they were in, in 2016 leading up to the election. We're not going to lose many of them. And then we're hopefully going to gain from 
what is now the best employment market since 1969. Think about that in 50 years. Then the next question is, okay, um, will the people that are enjoying this, will they come out and vote for the president even though they didn't the, next, the last time? Then I've got to believe that that's true. Anyway, why are you talking in my ear, Linda? What are you I'm saying? so sorry, Sean. I just want to make sure you know that we have there our candidate, Greg Murphy, on hold. Very important election today in yes, the 3rd District to him in of a North, second, North Carolina. Carolina. So my point is, so the Detroit News points out the job growth. The Detroit News. And then they're pointing out applicants, you know, lining up. What is happening when you have what is what everyone calls full employment? We're pretty close. Economists are saying this is full employment. The Federal Reserve is even suggesting that there are 7.5 million job openings right now. So what does that mean for the people that are currently in the workforce? That means that they're looking for better jobs, higher pay, better benefits, and the standard of living is going to go up. And even though there might be a a short-term shortage of some in some sectors, but if we can straighten out the immigration and have a merit-based system, well, we can solve that problem. Then you couple that with the career jobs in the oil and gas industry that are paying truck drivers after they train them 80, 90, 100 grand a year and all the overtime you can take, that's going to add to the economy. We're going to raise the standard of living of every American. Now, if the Democrats support this radical position on infanticide, if they think that illegal immigrants should get citizenship and we should pay for full health care benefits and it's immoral to have walls, which is their position, if they want to raise taxes, 70 percent top marginal personal rates, 90 percent corporate rate, If the new Green Deal is some version of it is their mantra where we're going to get rid of oil, gas and the combustion engine and everything's free, whether you're willing or unwilling to work. And then later cows and planes are gone. And if you're going to take the position that we ought to bribe dictators, I don't see how you beat Trump. And I know a Republican has to thread the needle. A Republican to be president win a national election. That Republican has to win Ohio. Has to win Michigan, Wisconsin. Pick off one of those states. Maybe Minnesota. Pennsylvania. That's another one. Then you got Ohio. And then you got after Ohio, you got Florida. North Carolina. Speaking of which, Greg Murphy is running in the North Carolina 3rd District. And by the way, he will be a member of the Freedom Caucus. So if you're in North Carolina today um, and you get a chance to vote in this special election, the person that I know Mark Meadows supports and Jim Jordan support and I support is Greg Murphy's on the phone now. How are you? I'm doing great, Sean. How are you? I'm good. Well, you just heard me talking about the presidential candidates. You're up against a Republican that I understand is not a Freedom Caucus person. That is correct. That is correct. And I just tell you, just listening to you, your comments were spot on with our president and what he has done for our country. And, you know, barring something totally unforeseen, um, you know, I know our state, especially in District 3, is a huge uh, district for President Trump and fully supportive of him. Uh, he's doing what he pledged to do on the campaign trail, and uh, we're, we're 100% behind him. So how long, what time can you vote in North Carolina till now? We got about three and a half more hours. Three and a half more hours. It's been All right, so where is days. your district in specifically? 
If you uh, if you took the maybe the outer eighth of eastern North Carolina um, along the coastline, and it started in Virginia and then cut off in what we call Onslow County, where Camp Lejeune is, uh, that's my district. It's one of the largest in the country just because we have so much uh, coastline and uh, uh, farming uh, areas. Well, I uh, urge the people in the North Carolina 3rd District, uh, Greg Murphy, will be watching the results tonight, and uh, we wish you the best of luck. People still have three and a half hours to go out there and vote. How's the president's popularity in North Carolina now? It is it is soaring. It is soaring, especially in the 3rd District, especially in 3rd District, and just to the points that you bring out. Um, the man is, is bold. He has done what he said he was going to do, and he's led our nation unlike uh, any president you know, in recent history, and uh, you know, the people really support that. They, they see what he's doing, and uh, um, I, I, think, uh, I think he'll win North Carolina without any problem. Well, that's an important state. That's the key state now, especially as Virginia, Northern Virginia in particular, has gone so heavily Democrat with all the government bureaucrats moving in there. But all right, Greg, thanks for being with us. We'll be watching the results tonight. Greg Murphy running North Carolina's third district and uh, supports the Freedom Caucus. We need more of those guys, as many as possible, actually. Uh, thanks for being with us. All right, 800-941-SEAN is a toll-free telephone number. One thing that's happened, we did a lot of stuff on the deep state. We're going to do more on Hannity tonight. Now that we have Steele's testimony, which apparently has taken place, now that we've gotten word that Michael Horowitz, why didn't we get the Inspector General report on FISA abuse in mid-May, as the Attorney General said? One of the reasons is all these people that had testified before and realized they were in trouble, they're now going back, and others have stepped forward. So the fact that the bulk of the information we now know is unverifiable there's no way Christopher Steele can contradict what he said in this interrogatory in Great Britain. No way at all. Because then he's going to be brought up on perjury charges. But apparently he was grilled by Justice Department officials in early June when the president was there. I know Democrats, they're foaming at the mouth. Oh, I can't wait till Mueller reports. Okay, well, who wrote the report? When did you know that there was no collusion? You know, um, how? why didn't you make a statement about collusion when there's no underlying crime. In other words, you provide a conclusion on, uh, you concluded there was no collusion. What, so the president said he's critical of your witch hunt? You know, I'd like to know, how did you not have time to investigate Hillary's dirty dossier, Russian dossier? You're supposed to investigate Russian interference in the 2016 election. You talk all about the interference which happened under Biden and Obama's watch, all of it. And how is it possible Hillary pays for a Russian dossier full of lies that its own author doesn't stand by, but that never came up, even though it was used to spy on the opposition party candidate by lying on FISA applications? When did you determine there was no evidence of this? How did you get into FARA violations and taxi medallions and loan applications, but not that? You know, did you examine the effects that resulted from the fusion GPS-led steel disinformation campaign? You know, why didn't you ask Hillary Clinton these important questions? Why didn't you, you know, did you examine Orr's interactions with Steele? Because Bruce Orr testified and has notes saying he was trying to get information to you after he was fired for lying and leaking. 
It was this politically motivated, perhaps, dossier that was what triggered the FBI's uh, opening up a file to investigate this. Is, is that correct? Is that how it started? That is absolutely not correct. Okay. So now knowing the Russians are doing this, and we have someone who's affiliated with the campaign who has indicated not just a knowledge of it, but a willingness to accept that sort of assistance, we have a reason to start investigating whether or not the campaign has actually colluding with or conspiring with a foreign actor, which is, of course, illegal in this country. So we sit down to figure out how do we get at that, that issue. And the logical way to do it is to begin investigating, looking at those people who are clearly part of the campaign, who we know have historical associations with Russia or with Russian intelligence. And that's how the first four cases are opened. All of that takes place before we ever receive a copy of the Steele dossier. Mm -hmm. Steele dossier had no role. In fact, we didn't have it in our, weren't, I'll say, consciously aware of it. So what is your view of the way the, the, the FBI interacted with Steele and how we should understand what his role was here? Well, that's a big question. So, um, look, the investigation was not predicated on the basis of the information that Christopher Steele gave to us in the form of the dossier. That is just not, was not my understanding at the time and has never been my understanding. So just to say that flat out. Uh, Steele, at the time, my understanding was that he was thought to be a reliable source that had a, had, had a prior relationship with the FBI and brought this information to us. Look, with, I don't know how to say this other than, we're not stupid, right, the FBI. We're not stupid. You take the information and you try to vet it. And that, my recollection is, we spent a lot, we, the Bureau, uh, the folks in the Counterintelligence Division, spent a lot of time trying to vet that information line by line. Breaking news now. Here's Sean Hannity. All right, we got some breaking news. Um, this is big, and this is going to get interesting. So we reported last night on Hannity that, in fact, Catherine Herridge breaks the story that there are a bunch of people. One of the reasons the Horowitz report on FISA abuse has been delayed is because at the 11th hour, and my sources confirm this, some people that kind of were expecting to get whacked pretty hard in this thing decided to go back and try to offer more details to lessen the blow, if you will. But the second part of that is when the president was in England, when he was in Great Britain, when he was meeting the queen, in fact, there were investigators meeting with the one and only Christopher Steele. In other words, three attorneys from the inspector general's office of the U.S. Department of Justice, and I assume John Durham's office as well, met in person in early June with Christopher Steele in Great Britain. And that took place. Remember, he's a former MI6. He's the author of the dossier. Now, the problem for Christopher Steele is, is that as hard as he pushed to get this dossier in the hands of everybody, as hard as he pushed to make it influential. Remember, we learned from Kathleen Kavlek about, you know, 10 to 12 to 14 days ahead of James Comey signing the first FISA application, which has at the top of it verified um, she warned Comey that he had a deadline and the deadline was Election Day. Everybody at the Justice Department, everybody at the upper echelon of the FBI, they knew 
that there was a political component behind this. Now, that's similar to what they heard in August of 2016. We now know closed-door testimony of Bruce Orr. That, in fact, this is unverified, this dossier, that Christopher Steele has a, a hatred and antipathy towards Donald Trump and a bias towards him, and also warned everybody at the Justice Department and the high levels of the FBI and Andrew Weissman, yep, Mueller's pit bull was in this meeting, that, in fact, it's it's Hillary bought and paid for. It has more than a political tint, which taint, which is, again, would have been relevant in any FISA application. Now, while we just played for you there some interesting cuts, one from Andrew McCabe, one from James Baker, the interesting part about Andrew McCabe, remember, he said without the dossier, there would be no FISA warrant. So that means what Nunes has told us, Devin Nunes, the congressman, former head of the House Intel Committee, and what the grassley Graham memo told us, that the bulk of information in the application, the first FISA and the three subsequent renewal FISA applications, was in fact that the bulk of information was the Hillary Clinton bought and paid for dirty dossier. All right, joining us now, Fox News legal analyst, author of the number one bestseller, The Russia Hoax, uh, our own friend Greg Jarrett is with us. By the way, he's doing a follow-up called The Witch Hunt. When is that book coming out? It's scheduled for release October 1st, so uh, stay tuned. Now, so we now, because Barr told us, the Attorney General, that we expected the Horowitz report on FISA abuse in mid-May. That's when he thought it was coming. Now we know why it's been delayed. Apparently, people last minute have come forward wanting to give more testimony than they previously had, and the opportunity to interview Christopher Steele popped up, but I can't see Steele contradicting what he said in a sworn interrogatory under the threat of perjury because he could be brought up on perjury charges if he contradicts himself. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I, I do agree with you that this will be critical, the interview uh, with Christopher Steele. Look, his dossier is sitting in front of me right now. There are six main claims. Each and every one of those claims of Trump-Russia collusion have been utterly dispelled, including by the Why don't we go over counsel. the six main claims? Well, because people maybe haven't taken the time. You tell me every time you read it, you laugh. Oh, it's absolutely true. I mean, you know, one of the, the most laughable is that Trump's quote-unquote perverted conduct in Moscow included hiring uh, prostitutes to perform golden showers in front of him, end of quote. Okay, there, there's no evidence of that, never has been any, and it's laughable. But, but another one of the preposterous claims is that Carter Page uh, agreed to uh, lift sanctions if Trump becomes president, quote, in exchange for 19 percent stake in the oil company Rosnet, end of quote, which would, by the way, be worth $11 billion. Now, if you're Christopher Steele, you're being interviewed here by uh, the DOJ, uh, you'd be pretty uncomfortable with that, because that's I mean, that's absurd. A junior unpaid advisor gets $11 billion in exchange for something that may never happen. It's utterly absurd and laughable. So, I mean, you know, Chris Steele would have to answer, where in the world did you get this nonsense? Who were your sources? And he would have to confess that, well, it was a guy who told a guy who told me, and then I put it in here. That That is junk. It's not worth the paper it's written on. 
All right, so go over these six main points. Let's let's go through them so that, again, it's been debunked. And the problem here is that if you don't tell in big, bold letters, I, you can have all the little asterisks you want in a application that it might have a political taint to it, but that's a far cry from telling the the judge in the FISA court the absolute truth, which is Hillary paid for it, which they knew. So to me... Right. They're lying by omission in that particular case, and they're doing it on purpose because they want the application approved. And secondly, if it's now an unverifiable document and one that people are mocking, well, then that means that they knowingly premeditated a fraud against the court. And what would the penalty for such a crime be? Well, it could be anywhere from five years to 20 years, depending upon you know the nature of the fraud and the number of them. So, I mean, it's serious stuff. So, so here, very quickly, are the six claims that are completely bogus in the, uh, in the uh, Steele dossier. One, Michael Cohen, uh, Trump's lawyer, held secret discussions in Prague with Clem- Kremlin representatives. Totally been disproven untrue. Um, Trump and uh, members of his came- campaign involved in the hacking uh, of the DNC emails. That has been debunked. Uh, Page, as I mentioned, is going to get $11 billion. That's been debunked. Uh, Paul Manafort, an intermediary in a conspiracy to influence the election, that's been debunked. Uh, The P-tape, that's been debunked. And then finally, an overarching conspiracy between Trump and the Kremlin, quote, for at least eight years. That's debunked. No evidence of that. So, you know, these are the main claims. And, and, you know, I was listening to the clip you played uh, of James Baker saying, oh, gosh, you know, this, this, we didn't even have the Steele dossier, uh, and it didn't come into play, suggesting it was uh, bar talk with George Papadopoulos. That's utterly absurd as well. Chrono- chronologically, they got the dossier on July 5th. Uh, it wasn't until weeks later that the FBI learned of Papadopoulos' bar conversation with Alexander Downer, the Australian diplomat. So sequentially, it makes no sense. And second of all, think about it. How is hearing a rumor, if you're George Papadopoulos, uh, about dirt on Hillary Clinton, how is that a legal basis for starting an investigation. But the problem is Papadopoulos is clear. And apparently, you know, we now know that Papadopoulos was saying uh, he would consider, you know, himself a traitor if he ever did when they were questioning him and they brought the blonde, seductive bombshell onto the scene. And again, they did all of this abroad, which raises questions. I mean, Comey's actually saying, well, we don't spy at the FBI, but he's he literally signed the first FISA warrant. Uh, if that's not spying, I don't know what is. But he also knew that it was people like Sam Clovis and Carter Page and Papadopoulos sure. that were being set up by Stefan Halper. And in the case of Papadopoulos, by the blonde, seductive uh, bombshell, flirt, flirtatious right. blonde, bonge, bombshell, to get information, but apparently he said all the right things, which makes you wonder, you know, why did this poor guy spend two weeks in jail for nothing? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so amazing to me. 
let's say you're having breakfast one day and somebody tells you, oh, the French have information about uh, thus and such. Well, well, people exchange hearsay and rumors and innuendo and speculation all the time. It's not a crime. How does that uh, serve as a legal basis for opening an investigation? It just doesn't. Maybe Alexander Downer, when he related the conversation, um, assumed facts not in evidence, like, oh, they must be talking about Hillary Clinton's emails. Well, so what? Even if you hear a rumor about Hillary Clinton's emails and Julian Assange had been talking about them on the Internet, then then so what? That's that again. That's not if a I recall, just, you know, my memory doesn't work that way. But if I recall at the time, everybody wanted to know what WikiLeaks sure. had. I know I did. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to get my hands on it. I was trying to make contact with people at WikiLeaks. Mm -hmm. Every journalist in America was trying to do that because Assange had sent out uh, emails and texts and alerts that that he was going to release information of that nature. Let's say they get Assange into the United States. Why do I suspect that they may not like all that he has that he might release at the time? Why do I suspect that that could boomerang like everything else has? Well, I think you're absolutely right. Look, you're the guy who interviewed Julian Assange. And I listen, uh, I asked him repeatedly, did did any did anybody from Russia give you this information? He said no state, no state party. I went back again and again and I asked the same question five different ways. I know you did. It was a good interview. And so, you know, they they are well aware of your interview. They're well aware of other statements he has made. Uh, the FBI is in the Department of Justice, and and they don't want to go there because he would blow a hole in the whole premise of their Trump-Russia collusion investigation, uh, or at least one of the key components of it, which was the hacked emails, which they operated on the assumption that somehow the Trump campaign had something to do with that, which was absurd. There was nobody on the Trump campaign who had such capability uh, and and by the way, if the Trump campaign through Roger Stone was trying to get that information, um, why would they try to get that which they'd already helped hack? That doesn't make sense. All right, Greg Jarrett, um, we're looking forward. He's got his follow-up book coming, Witch Hunt, uh, in October, and a lot should happen between now and then. All right, uh, Greg Jarrett, thank you for being with us. You'll join us tonight on Hannity. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number if you want to be a part of the program. Well, our good friend Charlie Hurt, uh, who's been a regular on the program and uh, somebody that saw the Trump phenomenon early. A lot of, you know, I always say the last on the train is going to be the first off the train kind of amazing to watch people i'll never vote for trump i'll never support trump i hate donald trump uh now they act like they were from the beginning his biggest supporters even you could see a little scrub going on google for certain talk show hosts in particular you know as if they never took these positions before and hoping that people will forget and uh, in many cases i guess they do but that wasn't charlie hurt Still winning, why America went all in on Donald Trump, why we must do it again. Actually talks in the book about this hatred, this rage, as I call it, this psychosis against Donald Trump. It is rooted in the contempt for regular American people. Well, how many times has that come up as an issue? You got the struck page text. I can smell the Trump Walmart supporters. I can smell them. 
irredeemable deplorables. They're, they're, you know, Americans that are bitter, that cling to their God, their guns, their Bible, their religion. If that's not contempt for the American people, I don't, I don't know what is. You know, or Nancy Pelosi says by Trump wanting a legal immigration system with a door that he keeps talking about. And the ability to vet people who come into this country. Are you coming in for the right reasons? Do you support our values? Um, do you have the means to take care of yourself? And there's, there's no question about what is your race, your background, your national origin. There's not any of that. It's just a matter of, of good, simple, basic, common sense. Uh, but this is what they turn it into. Racism, sexism, misogyny. You know, say what you will. I mean, Mitt Romney was a great guy. He supported and advocated many of Trump's positions, not all, but many. And Mitt Romney still, he was called a racist and a sexist. And he cut some kid's hair when he was in high school. This is this is what the left does. You know, I'm watching this whole Jeffrey Epstein saga unfold before our eyes. And, you know, it's a pretty despicable, disgusting story to me because you're talking about the possibility of widespread pedophilia. And now that he has been brought up on charges in the Southern District of New York. Well, now all of a sudden, even though there were how many trips with Bill Clinton on the Lolita Express? Well, that doesn't matter. It's only that. Well, we won't mention it during the 2016 election when Bill Clinton, we had learned. Oh, let's see. Oh, had 20 some odd separate phone numbers. And a lot of them were Bill Clinton's number. We know that Bill Clinton traveled to what they called Orgy Island, the Lolita Express. And you have one of the accusers saying Epstein assigned two girls to take care of Bill Clinton. That was in the Daily Mail of March of 2011. The Lolita Express flight log show Bill Clinton was a frequent flyer. Um, and Jeffrey Epstein's masseuse revealed inside details on Inside Edition about Clinton's trips abroad, the Lolita Express. One thing that they've kept out of the narrative, yes, in fact, Trump did know Epstein because he would attend events at Mar-a-Lago, but Ed, but then Trump banned Epstein from Mar-a-Lago. How come that little detail is missed? You know, again, it's all part of selective moral outrage. Only if Donald Trump is being accused of some type of, or, or maybe an appointee like Kavanaugh is being accused of the most outrageous assaults against women, then everybody's a believer without knowing any facts. But the lieutenant governor in the Commonwealth of Virginia, nobody nobody talks about him. There's no I believers when you have two credible women that have come out and said, one, that she was raped, and another, a violent sexual assault. And both had told people at the time that this lieutenant governor had done this. No I believers. You know, they care about obstruction, but they don't care about Hillary's obstruction and deletion of subpoenaed emails and bleach bit. I mean, it's selective moral outrage all the time. They care about Russian interference, but they don't care about Clinton's dirty dossier that was never verified. And the list goes on. Anyway, Charlie Hurt is with, with us, still winning. Why Trump, why America went all in for Donald Trump, why we must do it again. How are you, sir? I'm great, Sean. Thanks for having me. You know, I, I, I was taken by this. I was on Breitbart that you say that there's this hatred of Trump that is rooted in contempt of the American people, because I see the same thing. It's the president is connecting with the American people. That's who he connects with. He doesn't connect with the Washington Swamp. He's certainly not connecting with the news media in this country. But when you're creating jobs and opportunities and, you know, so many good articles on the economy today, I can't even get to them all. But that's who he connects with. Yeah, he really does. And, 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 and to me, that is the most outrageous part of all of the unfair 
untrue, dishonest attacks on Donald Trump is that they're not really just attacks on him. They're attacks on the, the people who are being spoken for for the first time in decades by Donald Trump, the, the people that Donald Trump is sticking up for. And, and it really is a profound contempt. But I also think Democrats are sort of uh, digging themselves a very dangerous hole here, because if they think that that there are mainstream Democrat voters who are in favor of open borders and post-birth abortion and and uh, human smuggling at the border, they don't know their own voters. And they're going to pay a heavy price, even within their own party, I think. See, I don't think they care about knowing their own voters. You know, if you look at Trump and the economy, there was a, a great piece in the Detroit News today. In the It's opinion piece. Full employment, we shift progress to wage increases. And what I've been saying on this program is just oil and gas alone. We're, we're going to raise the standard of living of every American and all right, we had 224,000 jobs added last month, and they're talking about Michigan, and you've got literally, you know, people, applicants signing up, and we have near-record available jobs. As a matter of fact, the best employment situation since 1969, um, and what economists call full employment, everyone who wants a job has one, so now, now those that have jobs are looking for better jobs for a better standard of living and a better career track. Um, and, and that's the great story of this economy is now people can make more money and have better opportunities. And it gets completely ignored by the, the, the press. And, and the thing is, you know, if, if, you know, if Donald Trump hadn't uh, it wasn't so hated by the establishment and by the press, um, and if he had not has not endured literally hundreds of millions of dollars in fiercely negative, nasty advertising, which is what a lot of it is. It's basically there are news stories that are actually, uh, you know, political advertising aimed at destroying this president. The fact that he's still standing, the fact that he has one one percent support is kind of amazing when you think about it. But let's also remember they did this to him during the campaign as well. And he and, and he met, still managed to prevail and win, which will, will has to go down in, in political history as one of the most amazing feats when you consider how much negative, fiercely. Uh, see, I don't think negative. he's a guy that's ever going to poll accurately or well. And yeah. I think that there is a certain percentage of Trump supporters that that just are going to be defiant about it. They like his outspoken nature, his iconoclastic nature, and they like the fact that he fights and they just don't feel like getting into an argument with any stupid pollster outside of a polling place or somebody that calls them. By the way, all these years I've been involved in this business. Did you ever get called for a poll? I've never been polled. Never, never been called. And, and it's amazing how many Democrats I know who don't like Donald Trump for, you know, very, very, you know, reasonable political uh, issue reasons. They don't like him, but but they they're not hysterical about him. And and the number of people that, again, Democrats voted for Hillary Clinton that I've talked to friends that I know outside of our business who uh, talked about the July 4th uh, salute to America and talked about how much they loved seeing that air parade of planes coming over and and they loved the history lesson that they got on uh, the history of our armed forces and they're well cnn called it rudimentary and then they said it was the uh wikipedia version of history i'm like you people don't get it and there's almost like a contempt you know remember gene 
uh, Kirkpatrick once famously saying, you know, the blame America first crowd. You know, yeah. they were, they're almost now rejecting patriotism. You know, how, how do you not honor the military that, God forbid, we need them and the world faces another evil? We, we, we have to ha- we've recently faced the evil of radical Islamists. You know, but then you got Nazism and communism and fascism and imperial Japan. I mean, if we don't have that military as a deterrent. This world is in an entirely different place. And to honor those people and and the great weaponry that we've produced to keep freedom alive. How is that? How has that ever become a bad thing? It's, it's mind blowing to me. I'll never understand it. And it's not like these people uh, don't, uh, you know, have any reservation about using the military. They're glad to use the military on on foreign adventurism. Uh, both, you know, members of both parties are go- delighted to do that. But when it comes to letting Americans see what their tax dollars ha- ha- have paid for, and, the, and 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 to get to see that extraordinary might on display. I don't understand it. They don't want to let Americans see it. There's somehow it's it's like it's like they think that that regular Americans don't deserve it, even though they're paying all the bills around here. They're doing all the work that makes this possible. But it's it, it's just the how diluted the swamp has become. Look into your crystal ball. Um, I, I think we're watching a meltdown right before our very eyes with Joe Biden. And I thought, you know, he, he's just had ever since the one debate that he was a part of and Kamala Harris destroyed him. And I've, I've gone through at length his record on issues of race and his support of segregationists and working together with them. And it finally, you know, that we get the crescendo of the apology is the last resort, not his first instinct. And I just I don't see that he has the energy level and doesn't seem to be on his game at all. He seems to be when he gets in trouble, he clings to Barack Obama, who seemingly wants nothing to do with him. <laughs> um, as we saw with Michelle Obama this weekend, I, I, I'm not thinking he gets this nomination at this point. Yeah, and it's, it's important to remember, and you know this, this is a guy who has been part of the problem for 50 years. He's been in Washington doing it wrong for 50 years. And the whole time he's been here, he's been running for president and he never, he could never rub two percentage points together. Uh, And the only way he, the closest he ever got to the White House was Barack Obama needed an old white guy with thinning hair in order to make a, a, a young guy like him look like he was trustworthy. And so that's the closest he ever got to the White House. The, the truth is, he's a really bad at this, and we're seeing it up close how bad he is at this. And he's got no. And people say, try to compare his uh, quote unquote folksiness to Donald Trump's uh, straight talk. Well, that's just poppycock. There's no similarity. Donald Trump says things that outrage the swamp, but all across America. People say, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Well, you could see that with the crowds. I mean, and look, crowd size matters. Enthusiasm matters. All right, great book. It's on Hannity.com and Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. Now it's called Still Winning, Why America Went All All In on Donald Trump, Why We Must Do It Again. Charlie Hurt, good to see you, my friend. Thanks for being with us. All right, News Roundup, Information Overload coming at the top of the hour. Jeff Lord, Kaylee McEnany will join us. A lot of news we got to get to. All right, time now for a quick call. We got Kurt. He is in Salt Lake City, Roderick land and Crownburger land. What's going on, Kurt? How are you? Glad you called, sir. Sean, I am doing great, sir. How are you doing? I'm good. What's happening? Hey, I just wanted to call and comment on the Black Rifle Coffee segment you did yesterday. And just, gosh, that's just so uplifting. 
Isn't it? And These I'm guys not, are great. It absolutely is. So By the way, and their coffee is better than you're going to drink their coffee. And I'm not plugging them because they're an advertiser. I'm telling you, it's great stuff. And BlackRifleCoffee.com. But I'm telling you, they, they they hated government coffee. They're in Iraq and Afghanistan. They start importing yeah. beans and they make blends that nobody's ever thought of before. And they're the best I've ever had. And no, Absolutely. It, and they go out of their way to donate to first responders and American heroes and different groups, and they hire those people. I mean, it's a pretty amazing story, and they're just getting started. And uh, hopefully there'll be a Black Rifle Coffee franchise near you one day. Hey, that's what I'm wanting to ask you about. Do they franchise? Because I'd be interested in trying to get one going. Because I'm a veteran. You've met me before in uniform in Salt Lake. I got to wow. say, Kurt, you know what? You sound jacked. Did you have some Black Rifle yeah, today? Yeah, you sound like man, you've you had a ready few to glass, go. You're ready to open up Joe. a store? All right. Well, I'll tell yeah, you I, what, I bet it would do great out there. Linda, maybe, you know, that's actually not a bad idea. If people want to set up, I don't know. I mean, I would I would buy one myself. I'd love to have one, even in New York. And uh, cops would get their coffees for free. I'm in like, fact, yeah. I'll, per, I'll be your personal barista. I'll give everybody their own Black Rifle coffee. I mean, do we have it's to make those, awesome. those ones with the, the you know, frappe, Oh, no frou-frou coffees at, at our you know, place. It's only good. They have to put caramel No, the only thing that I'll do is frothy milk because there's nothing better than Fro- a frothy, frothy milk. milk. Frothy milk. Did you hear that? Wait, we're going to yeah. have frothy milk. Frothy. Frothy. Oh, All right. Kurt, thanks, you're Kurt. a man after my own heart. Tell Rod I said hi. But go get a crown burger today, too. All right, quick break. News roundup information overload next as we continue the Sean Hannity Show. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. The Supreme Court did not rule in their favor because they said the administration did not give sufficient evidence as to why the uh, census uh, citizenship question should be there. So they kicked the can. And then the administration said, okay, we won't put it on there. And then the president injected himself into this. But this is about keeping, you know, make America, you know, his hat, make America white again. They want to make sure that people, certain people are counted. It's, it's really disgraceful. And it's not what our founders had in mind. Um, I guess two questions here. One, you're taking credit for calling these camps, your, your detention centers, you're, you're taking credit for those developments by using the term concentration camp. And two, what do you say to Americans, especially survivors of the Holocaust or individuals who are related to survivors of the Holocaust who say, look, academically you're right, the term concentration camp did not necessarily mean death camp, but colloquially, when most people hear it, they think death camp, they think Holocaust, and you're, you're undermining your argument and you're, and you're hurting us, what, you're hurting our feelings, hurting our emotions, hurting our memories. What, using that definition, there were also concentra- uh, concentration camps under Obama, and under Bill Clinton, that is in the story that you retweeted. Mm-hmm. So did you call them concentration camps at the time when Obama was president? Well, at the time I was working in a restaurant, but I do, but I absolutely uh, was outspoken in against Obama's immigration policies and the detention of families then. I think it's a remarkably consistent position, and I'm not here to defend uh, wrong actions just because they happened under a Democratic administration. I'm here to speak truth to power, and if it's wrong, it's wrong, and I frankly don't care what president does it. Yeah, okay, but remember, this was all a manufacturing Manufactured crisis in the beginning. Never mind that this same thing happened in the Obama years. The guy that fixed it is Trump. Okay, so you're going to compare concentration camps, Auschwitz, to what's happening at the border where people are fed 
Uh, people get food, water, water, clothing, medicine, supplies, baby formula, diapers when needed and necessary, and every other necessity. And yeah, it's not a manufactured crisis. It's always been a real crisis. And we can't have walls. Walls are immoral. And we've got to tear down all the walls. And so this is, you know, well, now we're going to say that the president is trying to make America white again. Uh, it's never been a race issue. It's been about national security. It's been about knowing the people that enter our country are going to be friendly to us with a big door. But we have a right to vet people to make sure that they're not part of an element that would bring harm to the American people. You know, 4,000 homicides in a two-year period is a lot, and 30,000 violent sexual assaults in a two-year period is a lot by illegal immigrants, and 100,000 violent assaults, that's a lot of Americans that have been impacted negatively by all this. And this now, all right, now we'll turn it into a race issue. And on top of that, by the way, we, we, we want abortions up to the last second, even after dilation. Even after birth, first we'll deliver the baby, make the baby comfortable, then we'll let the mother decide. And then we're going to have health care for all, but it's going to be one choice. Tempted to private health care option. And then, of course, we got the Green New Deal. And we'll get rid of oil and gas and the combustion engine and everything will be free. And eventually planes and cows will be eliminated, too. And, and don't worry, the government's going to handle your every need. And then, of course, we're going to have open borders. And we're going to give illegal immigrants free education, free health care. Okay, that is whoever gets the nomination. That's their position. So I don't know how any of that's going to play with the American people. But one of the things that is interesting to watch is Nancy Pelosi, you know, basically saying, oh, Ocasio-Cortez, you know, there's only four of them. That's it. And um, she's a little angry. There are four people. That's how many votes they get. And she goes, and then Ocasio-Cortez, they didn't have any following. The, the public whatever is public sentiment, she tweets. Wielding the power to shift it is how we actually achieve meaningful change. So who has the power here? And can these positions, are they sustainable? You can add to that, by the way. You know, you, you look at, you know, are they embarrassed by America's military? They were so outraged that the president was going to honor the military on the 4th of July. Well, this in the last century, we did face communism and fascism and Nazism and Imperial Japan. And thank God we had the military and the best weaponry available so that we could help bail out all of Europe and save the world from what would have been the worst tyranny and evil we've ever seen. But no, let's not give credit to them for that. Anyway, joining us, Kaylee McEnany, National Press Secretary, Trump 2020 campaign, Jeff Lord, best-selling author, Swamp Wars, Donald Trump and the New American Populism versus the Old Order. Um, what's so fascinating is to see you've got a circular firing squad forming among the deep state actors, uh, Jeff, and you have the same thing happening not only with the Democratic presidential contenders, but you have it with Pelosi and Ocasio-Cortez, and it seems to be ratcheting up every day. They're all shooting each other. Yeah, it is. It is fascinating to watch. This is going to be a very, very serious problem, and I think the first casualty may be Joe Biden. Um, the, 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 these far-left crazies, as it were, out there cannot abide the establishment. Uh, good Lord, even the New York Times today is, is, feels compelled to write about this. This is going to be a serious problem. And as far as the deep state thing goes, you just know 
that they're going to start to turn on each other. And this business that uh, we now know for sure that, according to news reports, that Christopher Steele was interviewed by people from the Department of Justice or the FBI over in London when the president was there. And they feel now it was sufficient information to uh, prolong the uh, I.G. Horowitz's uh, forthcoming report. Um, that should make James Comey very nervous. Well, I mean, the fa- yeah, and all these other people coming in last minute. I mean, that's getting interesting, too, because I think if they want to change their testimony, they think they realize they're all looking badly here. I have to and- tell you, Sean, I, today as I was going through some of this stuff, the first thing that popped into my mind was the theme music from Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, political reports today, Kaylee, that, you know, the Inspector General Horowitz and his people have interviewed Steele, and Steele's testimony was deemed to be credible, and his testimony tended to vindicate the FBI's handling of the Russia gay probe. But sorry, you look at the Mediate version of the same story, Steele's testimony has prompted the IG to extend his investigation indefinitely. Remember, he can't contradict that which he said under oath in an interrogatory without being charged with perjury in Great Britain. Yeah, that's exactly right. We still have to hear from the IG, and as you noted, that report is prolonged because of this. And we're just at the tip of the iceberg here. I mean, of course, we have Bill Barr's uh, investigation that is going to go deep into this, but it's amazing to me, if you listen to the mainstream media, that investigation is done, it's been completed, it already happened. I mean, these are the kind of lies being told to the American people. Uh, It hasn't been done. As you noted, it's been prolonged. We are just at the tip of the iceberg. There's so much wrongdoing here. Uh, it implicates the Obama administration at the deepest levels, uh, potentially even going to Joe Biden. So they've got a, a world of problems on their hands if that's their nominee. Well, I mean, is there anybody you see? They're all raise their hand. Do you want to, the American taxpayers to pay for illegal immigrants' health care? They're all for it. So what does that mean? The New York Post did it well when they took that snapshot of them all on the stage with their raised hands and captioned it, who wants to lose the election? (laughs) Well, I mean, okay, that's a great question, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, I I mean, people here in the middle of Pennsylvania would be livid if that were the case. Absolutely livid. And I think that's true of most people around the country, or certainly a majority. Well, look, all of these positions, though, I mean... You know, even Trump highlighting the military. Um, I, I just got to tell you something. It is to me, it's insane. It is, you know, here we have the greatest military that has kept freedom alive around the globe because we have the we we have paid the price for freedom. And it's you know, I brought this up earlier that it's almost it almost goes back to, you know, Gene Kirkpatrick, you know, blame America first. No, America is not perfect, but America's. It has advanced the human condition worldwide, and we paid the price. We paid the price, the blood, our national treasure. You know, the reminder of the 75th anniversary and and hitting the beaches, slamming the beaches in Normandy, and how many Americans went to their death to defeat tyranny. And they faced an evil. I mean, the guys that made it, they were they were walking over fellow Americans' dead bodies and severely wounded soldiers to get to the top of that mountain so that they could overtake it, so that we could push back the forces of Nazism. And it was not an easy task. And the price was uh, the magnitude of, of lost treasure is incalculable to this country. 
but we do it time and time again. How would you not want to honor those people and that equipment and that weaponry that keeps us free? That, to me, is a question, Kaylee, I'll never have answered. Exactly. You know what it comes down to is their hate for Donald Trump is clearly clouding their love for this country. And when you combine everything that's happening in American society, uh, the complaints about President Trump's wonderful speech celebrating the five branches of our military, the fact that we can't stand anymore for the national anthem, the fact that an American flag on a shoe is so bothersome and must be taken off and Nike's going to cave to Colin Kaepernick. This is an erosion of patriotism. It's an erosion of respect for our military, of respect for our traditions of what makes this country great. And it's all because of a hate, a deep-seated obsession and hatred for President Trump. But listen to what the Democrats said here. Um, You know, Biden says Trump is incapable of celebrating what makes America great because I don't think he gets it. Actually, I think he does. You know, what did the president say? He said, together, we are part of one of the greatest stories ever told. The story of America. It is the spirit, daring, defiance, excellence, adventure, courage, confidence, loyalty, and love that built this country into the most exceptional nation in the history of the world. And our nation is stronger today than it ever was before. And you get Eric uh, Swalwell, whatever his name is, from California. Well, it's just not who we are as Americans. We don't thump our chest, put tanks in the streets, fly jets over the mall to prove our strength. Or, you know, Mayor Pete, who can't even manage his own city, you know, I, I think reducing our nation to tanks and shows of muscle just makes us look like the kind of loudmouth guy at the bar. I mean, and the rest of them pretty much say the same thing. Yeah, you know, Sean, something you and I have in common that we've never talked about, and I've heard you talk about your dad. Both your dad and my dad served in the Pacific during World War II. Yeah. And I am sure you, as did I, got all these stories um, you know, years later when, when we were kids. He didn't really uh, like to talk about it. I had to pull it out of him. Yeah, yeah. I finally sat mine down with a video camera and insisted wow. <laughs> so that so that I would, you know, have the history. But, you know, this, this whole – the thing that gets me is the media just lies. I mean, this business that these kind of celebrations have not been done. I personally was at Ronald Reagan's 1986 Fourth of July ceremony in New York Harbor. The Navy took me out to the – Battle to the USS John F. Kennedy. The president was one ship over on the battleship Iowa. It was a huge military celebration. And then again, I was in Washington for President Bush's uh, celebrating America uh, parade after the Persian Gulf War. Tanks all over the place. Good Lord, JFK had Pershing missiles rolling up the street for his inauguration. FDR had one tank after another. I mean, this was just so much bunk, and they and they said that none of this didn't happen, and this is all Donald Trump. It was just a hundred percent bunk. All right. So as we watch this this band of radical leftists try and out New Green Deal each other and attack President Trump more and more, I don't see anybody at this moment, and things can always change, that. I think, has the ability to beat Trump, knowing that for him to win, he's got to always run the table. He's got to win North Carolina. He's got to win Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, Florida. It's it's never an easy task for a Republican. Jeff Lord, who do you see as the nominee, and what are their odds? Well, at this moment, I'd probably say Kamala Harris has, has a shot at this, but I, I frankly don't think there's a single person in this group 
that's capable of beating the president. And and we had uh, more news today. I guess Tom Steyer has jumped in on a pro-impeachment platform. Uh, he can't even sell Nancy Pelosi on this. I just can't wait for these debates again. <laughs> All right, last word, Kaylee. Yeah, I think that's right. No one on that stage can be President Trump. And look, you're, you're left with two bad options. you got the old guard with Joe Biden, worst economy, uh, worst economic recovery since World War II. And then you got the new guard with Kamala Harris, who has terrible leftist record and horrible record as prosecutor of California. So, yeah, hey, I'm, I'm not ready for the game on. I'm re- I don't, we'll all see. Um, all right. Thank you, Jeff. Kaylee, thank you. 800-941-SEAN. When we get back, toll-free. Our phone number, your calls are next. 800-941-SEAN. Straight ahead. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. All right, as promised, let's hit the phones. Uh, oh, Velma. Velma, where have you been? It's like you disappeared. You I have not heard from you in ages. I What's going on? from you. How you doing? How you doing? How are my, how are my uh, nephews? They doing all right? They behaving? They behaving pretty good. They good. We just left. Uh, we went to, I took them to uh, Universal Studios in California. I yeah. was down there with that earthquake, but we felt it here, too. They felt it here, too. How did the earthquake feel? feels like a oh rolling feeling, I, right? I'm telling you, it was awful. We were at Universal <laughs> It's Studios. pretty bad. It's not fun. I'm telling you, we, we drove back to Vegas. I was supposed to spend another night in California. We drove back to Vegas that same night because, I mean, I didn't want to be there. But a lot of people felt it here, too, in Vegas. Well, yeah, well, it was felt there. It was felt in Mexico. I mean, and the second one was even stronger than the first one. It was. I didn't feel the first one. I was Listen, California. I'm telling you, they've been predicting the San Andreas Fault and a possible potential really big earthquake in Southern California for a long time. I remember during the World Series and Al Michaels' incredible coverage of the San Francisco quake. That was, that was unbelievable, if you remember the bridge at that time. And yeah. uh, it's a scary thing. And... I, you know, I know we, I never thought we had earthquakes in New York till one day we're doing the radio program. Linda, remember that day? And man, we just, you feel the roll of the earthquake. I can't even imagine New York. New York is even worse than California. No, nah, California's way, with many more yeah, fault lines there. All, but not with all the people. I think y'all got more there. Well, if it happens in LA, San Francisco, it's a big deal. And, you know, I hope we're prepared for it. I mean... You would think the people of uh, California, they've had so much advanced warning, but you never know. It could be bigger and more tragic than anyone knows. I pray it never happens. That's right. Well, all right. So my nephews are behaving. Are you being annoying to them? Are you, like, smothering your kids and being a helicopter mom? Uh, You know what? I'm doing the best I can. You know I'm old, but I'm, like I said, I was at Universal Studios. I like to die. You know your friend ain't no spring chicken. By the way, how old are the boys now? I mean... They eleven and twelve, and they so big. I send you pictures. Don't you look at your nephews? Well, I've seen the pictures. They are getting big, and I saw the pictures when they were in church. I, I wrote you back. I said they look really good. Oh, they are wonderful. They, you know, they brought up in church, so they know how to speak. They know how to. Did you look at that video where he was singing? It was awesome. I did see that. I'm telling you, Sean, he got. I that. wrote you back. Don't you get my my text messages back? You didn't do me back. Oh, yeah, you do. By one or two words. I give you nine oh, good grief. messages, and you give me two words. Now, when is your birthday coming up? Aren't you due to have a birthday? In August, but I'm not telling you how old I am. <laughs> well, if you don't tell me how old you are, I'm not going to give you my special present. Oh, really? I'm 35. <laughs> <laughs> Linda, what do you think? Should we send her back to her favorite place and let her have oh, another spa Lord. day? I, I think there's no that. greater gift. 
There's no greater gift. All right. Well, we're going to work it out. I'll put you on hold, Velma. Uh, give give my give my adopted nephews all my love. All right. Okay. We love you too, honey. All right. Thank you, Velma. Sean is in Florida. Sean, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Hi. Thanks for taking my call, Sean. I'm calling in because I want to ask your listeners to please call their congressman today, congressmen and women today, and ask them to ask the representatives to vote no on H.R. 1044, which is known as the Fairness for Highly Skilled Immigrants Act of 2019. It's anything but fair. The H.R. 1044 is a fast track to a green card, giving the majority of big tech jobs to low-wage Indian graduates, graduates which, will, which will take away jobs from middle, our own middle-class American graduates, as well as further complicating the, in, the immigration issue, because we will be favoring those that come from India. This is a, a really important issue, and unfortunately, there are about 108 Republicans that are being rumored that it's rumored that they're going to vote yes. Well, what this bill is, I'm very aware of it, and you're right, it has to do with changing our employment green card distribution by eliminating some of the safeguards that prevents green card holders from being monopolized by by citizens of one or two countries. But, you know, I I do believe in merit-based immigration. I don't think this is the bill, though, because it would reward employers who literally replace American workers potentially with hundreds of thousands of low-cost, less-skilled workers who are entering uh, on temporary visas, mainly H-1Bs, often working in the tech sector. So, um, you know, look, the bottom line is this, and I went through some of these numbers earlier. I mean, we have right now virtual full employment in the country. That's a good thing. 224,000 new jobs have been added. That's a great thing. The Federal Reserve says we have nearly 7.5 million job openings right now. That's a great thing. If we want to raise the standard of living of the American people right now, you know, the, the little bit of a shortage that we have um, in the job market, you know, it, it creates an opportunity. It's sort of a natural pressure up that people are going to now get more pay, better benefits. And if you start if you start allowing immigration on a mass level and I'm not against immigration, I'm all for legal immigration and I'm all for merit based immigration and special sectors, engineering, sciences, et cetera, in particular, because I, I think that just helps the country. And but you can't do it. You have to do it in a way that protects the American worker and their ability to climb the ladder of success and their opportunities and their standard of living. That's why I'm so gung ho on energy and gas, because especially gas, it's a clean burning form of energy and it's just going to create career jobs and and double and triple the standard of living of millions of Americans and and then of course all the spin-off jobs that are created by that. So it's it's a it's it's just, you know, it's like everything else. Congress gets their hands on something and they just screw it up. Um but the bill you're referring to, you're absolutely correct, is uh HR 1044. And I want a solution to the problem, but I, you know, as I read the details of it, it's always, you know, the devil's in the details. And I think it always can be done better. It's, you know, why do these bills have to be so long that nobody understands them? And you need an interpreter to understand what it is that they're trying to pass. Well, that's all done on purpose to sort of throw us off track. 
Anyway, good point. Thank you, uh, Shauna. Appreciate it. Donna is in Maryland. Donna, hi. How are you? Welcome to the program. Glad you called. Hi, Sean. It's a pleasure to speak with you. What's up, Donna? How are you? I hear your previous callers, too. They were awesome. Thank you. Um, I just want to say my comment is about AOC and Nancy Pelosi. And I find it interesting that the incumbent Dems, who supposedly cross the entitlement freshman Dems, are having this big rift. And, you know, when I hear uh, AOC say truth to power and Nancy say make America white again, to me, it's amazing how far they've gone to the left, how radicalized the party has become. And when you see this division among these two generations, shall I say, you really see the fissures widening. I think we're going to see an earthquake of our own within the Democrat Party. You know, there's one way to put it. I had a great discussion about this. You know, believe it or not, when I'm off work, I do occasionally try and wind down and not talk a lot about politics. And Linda was making fun of me yesterday because I took, what do you call them again? What did you say they're called? The lessons I took? The lessons you took? What? Which lessons? Your golf lessons? My what lessons? Your golf lessons. Golf? Whatever. Where did you, how did you learn to pronounce golf? What First of all, I don't know too much about this. It's golf. You don't know how to say golf? I think that sounds really weird. I'm not saying that. But no, the problem is you can't say it the right way. First That's of all, I could say golf? anything I want to. You could say, of Second course. of all, it's like, not the way it's pronounced. Where are we broadcasting from? Singapore. I mean, it's hilarious. Some so, of yeah, us in America say it right and some of us don't. You're one of those uh, okay, who Okay, every not. sport has a coach. I don't have the time to spend to teach myself golf. And if a pro can help me, there's nothing wrong with that. I declare but, a, a a golf off. <laughs> you Linda, don't I, you do the Peloton every morning? Isn't there a coach on your bike every no, morning? Yeah, isn't there a coach? No, oh, that's right. She uses a the Peloton. She uses a virtual oh, it's coach a teacher. on the bike. Sean, it's a teacher, not a coach. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, she's a teacher, not, not a coach. Me. She's so that not would like, be a coach. Now, now turn your pedal this way. Now turn. That's it. That's it. Now put the other pedal okay, the so other you way. Okay, so you got to keep your club down low to the ground when you... When yeah, you I'll go keep back my club down. Don't you worry. Don't swing so hard. I mean, those are things. Your grip is wrong. Let me That's tighten it. up your grip. My grip's all wrong. My, your grip my, is all my wrong on the pillow. Anyway, just to make the point to Donna, as you know, we were talking about this. I don't see anybody in the Democratic side at all. You know, I I went to dinner with people and I just said, all right, do you think all the people that voted for Trump, do you think he's going to lose a lot of those voters in 2016? And the answer was universally no. Let's keep math simple here. All right. Do you think the president, because of the good economy, is going to gain some new voters, especially with record low unemployment and a thriving economy? The consensus was 100 percent yes. Okay. Is there any one Democrat that is inspiring the American people um, and we see the energy and the crowds and the enthusiasm? The answer is no. Now, they'll act like it. The media will act like it. The media will, will pick that one person in the end that they want, and they'll push that person hard. But if you're going to support, you know, the American people paying for health care for illegal immigrants, if you're going to support radical, you know, during birth abortion, which now Democrats for some reason have fixated on in many places around the country, if you're going to support this new green deal and eliminate oil, gas and cows and planes and the combustion engine and offer everything for free, even for people who are unwilling to work. I don't think it's going to sell. And I think that they've gone so hard left. I don't see where the president loses votes and I see him gaining votes from the last time. 
And I don't see that any of these candidates are going to be discernibly different in terms of, you know, you'll have your hate Trump crowd get out and in volumes voting. But that's a limited crowd. I don't think it's as large as people think. And I think the American people kind of find this president. They've now adapted to his iconoclastic, disruptive style. And while they may complain, they secretly like it, that he, he doesn't turn off the fight switch and he stays fighting um, 24-7. And that fight has resulted in better trade deals, a better economy, uh, better health care, building the wall and the things that people want. And I think the president keeping his promise, I, I think that's an important element in all this too because politicians historically don't keep their word and he has now checked off his list and checked it twice does that answer your question donna oh absolutely and sean i can't thank you enough i love hearing linda chime in too i i understand that Aww, New York thanks, donna. Quite well myself hey by <laughs> the way do you think that she says golf the right way Yes, she does. Um, Golf. I won't answer that question because I have a New York accent, too. Oh, Donna, a woman after my own heart. Well, here, no, here's the problem. Oh, God, I love you, too, Linda. You've been great. (laughs) Oh, geez, here we go. I love you, too, Linda. Can I just say something? You know, every sport, you have coaches. There's a coach in baseball. That's actually not true. There's a pitching coach. There's a hitting coach. There's a first base coach. There's a third base coach. There's an outfield coach. There's an infield coach. Football. They have I've a never defensive had coach, a an offensive coach. coach. There's I'm coaches everywhere. You. Tennis. Never you have happened. a tennis coach. Nope, basketball. You have a basketball coach. I play basketball. Well, I mean, what sport do you play except Peloton? I play Peloton very well. I mean, if you, what you do, you do it well, and you keep. All right. On. So you have a coach. You you watch a video. No, I and have you a Listen teacher. to the the coach. I have a teacher. Pedal faster. Keep up. She says, "Move it." Move, Move it. it. Aren't you a classically trained musician? How did you learn that? That's yeah, correct. Exactly. I are you a classically trained? What do you play? I didn't know. By the way, I wouldn't let my kids become classic. What do you trained. mean you didn't know? <laughs> my my Linda, sub- I'm a musician too. You are. What do you play? Yeah, I play flute, guitar, ukulele, and mandolin. Oh well, I started out wow. on violin, and I took clarinet, alto sax. I play piano. Yeah, my guitar. son came home with a trumpet. And he Sean, was I'm talking to, to Donna right now. It would go Hello. Like this. this is what it sounded like. Awesome. <laughs> Linda and I also have mutual band friends too. Band of New Yorker friends of mine. See that? Oh, See my that? All right, I'll get, you know what, we'll call up Barbara Streisand. You guys can all have a little concert meeting hey, First together. of all, that's a mere insult. I would never talk to her. Never talk to her. Never in a million a years will I ever talk to that woman, ever. I don't talk to liberals. Ever. I don't talk to liberals, ever. All right. Are you done? Thank you. We should put you on the Real Housewives of New York. Oh, that my be, God. That would be, I think you'd, I think you'd do well on that show. Oh, find me a rich show. husband and uh, we'll talk. Oh, my God. Oh, well, I mean, that's the thing about those shows. The husbands are like irrelevant. They're meaningless in that whole thing. And the few times they get involved is, you know, they're dismissed to the side. I feel and so fortunate that I've never seen this show right now. Yeah, Sean, never you watched Real show. Housewives? You? A ninja? I've, of course I've seen it. I mean, I'm a... You I'm need a, a TV coach. You're clearly doing to... it wrong. No, no. Listen, you know what I usually watch. I'm watching... You know, Nat Geo documentaries and Showtime documentaries and any documentary I can get my hands on and the History Channel um, and, you know, all those. Is that right before you go to sleep at night with your MyPillow? It's right before I go to sleep with MyPillow. How did you know? I mean, I just love MyPillow. Very correct.
Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. We're going to be joined by Rudy Giuliani, Dan Bongino, Congressman Peter King, Matt Schlatt, Jason Chaffetz, much more. 9 Eastern Hannity on the Fox News Channel. A lot of breaking news, especially as it relates to Christopher Steele. And this is now we have an explanation why the Horowitz report is late, but hopefully soon. All right. Thanks for being with us. See you tonight at nine. Back here tomorrow.